Took me three tries, but we're finally on the air with uh, the Rural Radio Network's midday program. Well, third time's always a charm, Dr. Christian. Yeah, it is. Yep. Press, press, press. We have the touch screen, uh, screen here, you know, that fires all the audio and stuff, and uh, sometimes it doesn't believe you're actually there physically. Alleged touch screen. That means your fingers yeah. are too cold. Yeah, that might be it, Ooh. too. Cold hands, but warm heart, right, Susan? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, we're playing a game. Uh, we're not going to play it today because we know where Susan is today. She's uh, there in surprise. But we're going to start playing. You, you've heard of Where's Waldo. Right. So now we're going to start playing Where's Susan. Surprise! Yeah. Well, today. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> you gave it away too fast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, surprise, Susan. Uh, tell us what you have for us today in the Ag Headlines. Lots of things going on. Um, coming up at our 117, wanted to lead off with this. It's our Fridays in the field, but we've got some corn sprouting on the stock. Ooh. Too much rain in that area, so that's going to cause for some concerns for, for growers up there. Uh, Al Dutcher, will, our state of climatologist, will join us at 1219 to talk more about this weather forecast. And, of course, they are predicting more weather yet this weekend. And then at 1245, did you know there's some new residence halls coming in at UNL? Oh, Bryce will bring... I heard some are going out, but there's more coming in, too. Yeah, December 22nd, the ones that are going to be uh, removed will come down, and then new ones will come in. We'll have more about that coming up at 1245. So some yeah. of the latest happening within the Ag Department. Very good. Okay. Thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they're not only going to come down, they're going to implode. I want to be there for that. Yeah. I would say that I want a front row seat, but I don't, I don't know that I want to be that close, yeah. but I want a binocular seat for it. I want to be able to look at Tens of thousands of people looking at their old home go away I know, right? on that one. Brandon Menace is here, so it's football, football, and the final four no one talks about. No one talks about. We're going to talk a little bit Husker football, we're going to talk Loper football, we're going to talk Kansas State football, and why is it that when we talk about the final four, we only refer to the Division One men's college basketball because we're down to the final four in major league baseball we have our league championship series that one of them gets underway tonight but we don't refer to it as the final four it's just league championship series we don't do it for the nfl no other sport except for division one college men's basketball so we're going to talk about that at twelve twenty-five. Has, has that been is that a uh, a copyrighted term is that i'm sure it is it because i probably can't even use the term super bowl without somebody wanting to charge me something that's true all right. <laughs> Very likely. Speaking of business minds, Dave Schroeder's over here at the business desk. Well, stock indices are moving higher today in early trading on Wall Street. And uh, also, for those of you receiving Social Security, uh, you'll get a, a slight increase in your benefits in the next year. And we'll tell you more details about that and, and what you might be able to, able to expect. Uh, some business reports coming out today. Uh, businesses increased their stockpiles in August, and also consumer prices rose a half percent in September, and we'll have some details on those reports as well. All right. Thanks very much, Dave. We will take the opportunity also to let everyone know that we have made our final uh, arrangements now for our next Rural Radio Forum on the Rural Radio Network, which comes up on November 7th. The topic will be immigration, so make sure you're listening for that. We air that program once a quarter, 3 to 4 p.m., November 7th on your calendar. Well, that's what's going on today on Midday. Well, here we head into a weekend that gets a, a little bit cooler, I guess. But uh, 
this week ahead just couldn't lay out better for people who are rolling combines. Yeah, it looks really good in the long term uh, this next week and actually the next couple of weeks here. Things looking very good for Harvest Progress right now. Wow, nice to get a blessing like that one. Here is your regional ag weather with Paul Perkins brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And we continue to see some cool air push to the southeast. That front making its way into eastern Kansas right now, and you can really tell where the front is. Manhattan, Kansas, and Topeka in the low and mid-70s, and just up the road in Concordia, they have a temperature right now of 58 degrees. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> But also, uh, that cooler air and those clouds continuing to drop south through the region today thanks to the passage of the cold front. A lot of us are seeing some clearing skies, but still those clouds hanging tough over eastern Nebraska on into much of Kansas this, uh, late this morning. If you're along and south of the line from about West Point to York down to Franklin, Hillsburg, and then much of Kansas, quite a bit of cloud cover, but otherwise some sunny to partly cloudy skies in much of Nebraska for today. We will see the prospects for some rain and thunderstorms as some low pressures tonight starts to develop over Kansas, and it'll track right along that front. It is stalled out in Kansas. Those thunderstorms tonight expected to develop late tonight into tomorrow morning, so you should be safe if you're going to the Husk, uh, any football games for tonight because we are expecting those uh, rain chances to be late tonight and not during the evening like we saw last Friday night when a lot of games got rained on. The best chances tonight going to be southeast of York to Osborne line with rain amounts there of about a tenth to a half of an inch. Otherwise, we're just looking at some light amounts and lesser chances of rain to the northwest of that. Once again, York to Osborne line, just some small chances of rain, the better chances of rain over the southeast. Strong winds out of the northwest will develop on the backside of that area, the low pressure for tomorrow on it to tomorrow night. Then we'll see high pressure take over and clear the skies out and quiet down the winds for Sunday. And a big ridge of high pressure moving overhead for next week for an extended mild and dry period. Our long-term forecast stays warm and dry. A high likelihood that temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas will be warmer than normal Wednesday through October 26th. Usually in central Nebraska during that time, our daytime highs usually average in the low 60s with overnight lows mostly in the mid-30s. The precipitation forecast expecting below normal rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas the entire time. Wednesday through the 26th. Weather factors influencing the market trade include a slow improvement in Midwest harvest weather and a higher chance for rain in central Brazil in the long term. A strong cold front extending from the central plains into the upper Midwest will slowly reach the Atlantic coast by Monday. Sharply colder weather behind that front will replace some late season warmth ahead of the front. Precipitation going to be limited. The greatest chance for moderate to heavy rain will be from the east central plains into the Great Lakes. That rain will delay the harvest even more in the western Midwest. The pattern, though, turning drier next week for the Midwest. West of the Mississippi, dry, chilly weather over the weekend. Going to be replaced by much warmer conditions early next week. Above normal temperatures will spread into the nation's midsection by Tuesday. That means more ideal harvest conditions continuing in the northern plains. In the southern plains, showers this weekend will delay the wheat planting, but that drier trend in the forecast is coming, and that will help out with the planting process. Soil moisture supplies in the Southern Plains in great shape right now for the wheat establishment. Over the last 30-day, precip totals have averaged more than 200% above normal from the, southern, from the Southern High Plains on into Nebraska. So if you thought it's been wet, you are correct. It will continue to be dry and very warm to hot in central Brazil this next week. 
That has growers there concerned for the risk to recently planted soybeans. The better chances of rain uh, look to be forecast in the two-week period for central Brazil. Yeah. I was just going to say the evidence really does point to the fact it's been very wet. Yes, yeah, and you know everything really green for the month of October here. And if you're going to the Husker game tomorrow, yeah, how's that shaking out? Well, it's looking like uh, if you're going to be tailgating, it could be a bit wet. But for the game, the rain chances really drop off. But a good chance of some rain and thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon in Lincoln. If you're doing some pregame tailgating. At about kickoff, we're looking at uh, temperatures right around 61 and a 40% chance of thunderstorms, but very light chances for rain as the game goes on. But it will be breezy also. Northwest winds at about 15 to 30 if you're going to the Husker game. So you probably want to be careful with your umbrella. <laughs> exactly. Don't have it too high up. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. That's your ag weather with Paul Perkins. By the way, I failed to thank you for warming up the studio spa for me this morning. <laughs> you're having another spa day today. Well, huh? I am. <laughs> when do you need weather anytime? KRVN.com. Are causing some problems in some unharvested western corn belt fields. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network as we take a check of ag news here. Farmers in the western corn belt saw heavy rains in the last couple of weeks, which delayed the start of harvest. Now, as it begins to dry in some locations, farmers are returning to their fields and are finding certain issues with their corn crops. Among the issues are premature corn kernels sprouting and weakened stocks thanks to large amounts of moisture that fell in the region. The area seeing the heaviest rains stretched from central Kansas through the eastern half of Nebraska, the western half of Iowa, and into southern Minnesota. One area hit especially hard by the heavy rains was from south central into eastern Nebraska. In the first 11 days of October, this area averaged 3.72 inches of rainfall, which is about 2.87 inches above normal. Along with kernel sprouting, another agronomic concern is the deterioration of stock quality in corn. Stock rotting due to the stocks weakening from moisture is also high on farmers' mind as well, especially with harvests getting off to such a slow start in the western corn belt. And since it's Friday, we're back in the field this Friday as we head back up near Columbus, Nebraska and visit producer Dave Warner. Warner talks about the issues he's seen, especially in his soybeans, because of the rain as well. Right now, these beans need to come out, and it's you know we're having a problem right now with maybe some popping of these beans a little bit because it rains one day, it's sunny the next, it rains again. I mean, it's the inconsistency of this weather is just is a struggle right now. So we got some early beans at the time to pop, you know, out here in the field, and some of these late beans that were green, you know, they, they went ahead and matured. Thank goodness, and they got a nice frost on them the night before last. So. Well, they should, everything should be even up at combine pretty good right now. And don't forget, you can find all of our audio and video from Fridays in the Field by visiting ruralradio.com. And in other ag news, BASF has agreed to buy seed and herbicide businesses from Bayer for 5.9 billion euros or 7 billion in cash as Bayer tries to convince competition authorities to approve its planned acquisition of Monsanto. 
BASF, the world's third largest maker of crop chemicals, has so far avoided seed assets and instead pursued research into plant characteristics such as drought tolerance, which it sells or licenses out to seed developers. Bayer said it would use the proceeds to partly refinance the Monsanto acquisition. It plans to raise $19 billion toward the deal by issuing a convertible bonds and new shares and has lined up as much as $57 billion of bridge financing from banks. As a part of the asset sale to BASF, more than 1,800 staff, primarily in the United States, Germany, Brazil, Canada, and Belgium, will transfer to BASF. It is also acquiring manufacturing sites for glufosinate, ammonium production and formulation, seed breeding facilities, and research facilities. And finally, the average value of pasture land across America took a jump from last year. The average value is $1,350 per acre, up 1.5% from 2016. That value is a record high since the U.S. Department of Agriculture first began keeping records. As a comparison, the average acre of cropland is worth $4,090, the same as in 2016. In different parts of the country, pasture land values vary by a wide margin. The southeast has the highest pasture values in the country at $3,910 per acre, whereas compared to the Corn Belt, it sits at $2,380 an acre. That's a quick check of your ag news on your Friday. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. And Al, finally seeing some sunshine pop out behind those clouds. Great harvest weather. Is this something we can continue to see headed into this weekend and next week? Well, we do have this system that's presently expected to move through the state over the next 24 hours. Uh, the first of uh, the front came through and basically washed out. We've seen a little light precipitation and scattered about in northern Nebraska, but it was far and few between. That precipitation shield from that system has completely fallen apart, and we are anticipating the more robust push of cooler air to move in as we progress through the first half of the weekend. Right now, the quantitative precipitation forecast for this event has backed off significantly in regards to the precipitation output, particularly as we look into the area of east central and southeast Nebraska where the heavier moisture was expected. Uh, the last couple days, the QPF has dropped from nearly an inch to around a half an inch in extreme southeastern Nebraska, with the heavier precipitation slated for much of the area from southwest Nebraska, northeast into the western Great Lakes. The good news for western Nebraska is is that the western half, at least, the quantitative precipitation forecast has dropped from a less than a tenth of an inch to almost virtually nothing with this system as the real moisture exists over the eastern part of the state. So if we do see some inclement weather as we go through the next 24-hour period, it'll most likely be just light scattered shower activity and higher relative humidity levels. But as the system clears through us, uh, and intensifies as it moves toward the east of us, the wind speeds are going to pick up dramatically behind this front. And that will help to aid the drying process for those light precipitation amounts. More importantly, in southeast Nebraska, we're probably going to be looking at a day or two of delays if we do receive the half to inch precipitation expected, particularly in the Fall City, Auburn region. That being said, very clean conditions look to be in the offing for the remainder of the forecast period. We see high pressure building in from coast to coast and basically a lack of precipitation for this upcoming week with temperatures steadily increasing from Sunday where we'll see our coolest temperatures 
adding about 5 degrees a day until we get into the midweek period. We have seen the temperatures on the models increase in terms of the forecast, so it does appear that we may actually see some upper 70s, low 80s in the southwest and in isolated pockets of western Nebraska during the midweek period. And because we're going to be looking at a trough coming in the Pacific Northwest as it moves into the northern Rockies during the second half of the week, we're going to see a southwest flow aloft in the upper atmosphere, which means drier weather coming into our region in terms of relative humidity levels. We could easily be looking at relative humidity levels less than 30% in the midweek period and, and through the end of the week, which should help the dry down process dramatically. I expect to see a lot of activity out there, people trying to catch up on things. We've had these weather delays. So for the general public, understand that there's going to be a lot of equipment out on the highways and to exercise a little patience. There's no sense risking your life to make a pass on a blind hill around combine equipment or semis moving slowly into fields and risk your life or other people's lives. We're going to probably see some hard push over this next seven-day period with a lot of equipment moving around across the state as farmers try to catch up on what has been a pretty significant delay over the past couple weeks due to the inclement weather. All right. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For more, you can always visit RuralRadio.com for the Rural Radio Network and Shaley Peters. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Brandon Benz. Good afternoon, Dirk. The University of Nebraska football team faces another stiff test tomorrow night as they host the ninth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. This season hasn't quite gone as planned for the Huskers as they sit at just 3-3 three and three on the season, and head coach Mike Riley says despite the losses, his team is still ready to fight. This team hasn't changed much from the beginning of, of how they've come to work every day. You know, it, it's definitely something you have to keep an eye on at this stage of the year. Uh, what uh, is a disappointing loss and another a great opponent following right away. I think that it, it, uh, there has to be real energy and excitement to the learning of an opportunity here. After losing last week to Wisconsin and being blown out by the Buckeyes last year, the Huskers go into this game as 24-point underdogs. Kickoff time is set for 6.30 p.m. Saturday evening in Lincoln. The University of Nebraska Kearney is on the road this week at Central Oklahoma. Last Saturday, the Lopers struggled at home, losing to the University of Central Missouri 45-7. Head coach Josh Lynn says they just have to put that loss behind them and look to the next week. We didn't play our best football. Uh, you know, not happy about it, but... Uh... You know, moving forward, that's a good football team, and, you know, we need to close the gap to those guys. A great offense, you know, good receivers, and, uh, you know, our guys, you know, we, we watched film on uh, Sunday, and then we were back to work this week, and that's one thing about this group. They're always willing to get back to work. UNK faces a Central Oklahoma team that, like the Lopers, is 2-4, and four, but it's coming off just a 17-10 loss at the two-time defending national champions and the number one ranked team in the nation, Northwest Missouri State, last weekend. Kickoff on Saturday is set for 2 p.m. The Kansas State football team will have its defensive hands full this weekend as they take on the Big 12's best running attack in number 6th-ranked Texas Christian University. Wildcat head coach Bill Snyder talks about what makes the TCU ground game so good. 
They have good depth at the running back spot. Anderson has moved into the, the probably become very prolific uh, runner. I, you know, he's a sub 4-4 guy, so he's got a lot of speed. He's got good change of direction. He makes a lot of people miss. They're vastly improved up front. I, my hat goes off to their offensive line coach. They've gotten better and better in the offensive line and playing with a lot of the same people. And, you know, that obviously makes a big difference in the running game as well. After a 3-2 and two start to the season, including a 40-34 to 34 double overtime loss at Texas last week, the Wildcats have dropped out of the top 25 rankings. Kickoff time for the Wildcats and the Horn Frogs is scheduled for Saturday morning at 11 in Manhattan. And the final four for Major League Baseball is set. It's the Astros versus the Yankees and the Cubs versus the Dodgers. The American League Championship Series gets started tonight in Houston with the AL West champion Astros hosting the wild card Yankees. The Astros are in the Championship Series for the first time since 2005, and the Yankees' last ALCS appearance was 2012. And in the senior circuit, the National League Championship Series starts tomorrow in Los Angeles with the Chicago Cubs taking on the Dodgers in a rematch of last year's NLCS. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You're listening to The Rule Radio Network. There is a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 4 a.m. this morning, increasing clouds with a low of around 46. For Saturday, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before noon, cloudy with a high near 62. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. This has been National Fire Prevention Week. While much of the educational emphasis is placed on children, Lexington volunteer fireman Roger Rootlinger says it's also a good opportunity for adults to take a look around their home. Make sure that uh, there's no a lot of drop cords, and the drop cords don't have frays in them for electrical problems. Um, they have also have uh, uh, a lot of different things. Maybe don't block the doorway with trash. Um, a lot of people will have boxes and stuff around, and and uh, just different things in the home that'll make the home safer uh, for not prevent fires. So. This year's Fire Prevention Week theme is Every Second Counts, Plan Two Ways Out, which emphasizes the importance of having an escape plan in case of a fire in your home. Rulinger is the year's Fire Prevention Week chairman for the fire department. The University of Nebraska Kearney has seen slight decreases in enrollment over the past couple of years. Chancellor Doug Christensen says that it's a problem faced by all colleges and universities in Nebraska. We definitely need to do things differently, and I think we will, but realize that the number of high school seniors also hasn't changed and has gone down. The recruiting is directly, I think, related to the number of high school seniors that are in our home base within 100 miles of us. Those kids are not there. Those enrollments in the Holdridges and the Mendons and the Broken Bows are going down. Christensen spoke Wednesday at two UNK faculty and staff about budget challenges faced by the institution. A plan for budget reductions is under review and could be implemented early next year. Four people accused of involvement in hazing at Chadron State College are no longer enrolled. College President Randy Ryan had told students and staff in September that police and the school were investigating an off-campus incident that was portrayed as an initiation rite between members of the wrestling team. College spokesman Alex Helmbrick said earlier this week that the behavior violates Chadron State and Nebraska State College system policies and team rules. He declined to say whether the students were kicked out of school as punishment, citing privacy policies. Hazing is also against state law. 
Shadron Police Chief Tom Lordino says his department's investigation is continuing. Online court records don't show any related charges against the four. And Kansas State University says severe weather, not vandalism, is to blame for damage to a temporary outdoor hut built between two residence halls for the Jewish Harvest Festival, Sakat. The university said in a news release Friday that no malicious intent was discovered. The release says a witness reported seeing the Sakat tumbling in the wind. Replay the game, interview, or feature you missed by catching a podcast on the front page of krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Earlier this year, the 1950s-era Burr and Fetty residence halls on the east campus of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln closed their doors for good. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit. Replacing the Burr and Fetty residence halls is a new residence center, which features a mix of traditional and apartment-style units. The new residence hall will carry the name of Martin Massengale, who served in a wide variety of positions at the University of Nebraska system, including Chancellor of the Lincoln Campus and President of the entire UN system. Earlier this week, a celebration of the new Massengale Residence Center took place, where I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Massengale about what this all meant to him. Well, Bryce, uh, this is a great honor that my wife and I are appreciative of. I think we are uh, deeply honored to say we're, we're pleased and we are most grateful for the fact that people have recognized the contributions that we've made over the years to the university and to the state of Nebraska. Kind of transitioned in, in a way that no one else has before uh, transitioned here. Kind of reflect on that experience and what this university means to you as a whole. Well, uh, Bryce, I've been at this university now for 41 years, and so it feels like part of the family, if you will. And uh, I've had the good fortune of being in a number of positions. Uh, I first came here as vice chancellor for agriculture and natural resources, and then the chancellor, and then president of the university. And with all of those, there's increasing responsibility, and so it presented a different challenge. And uh, I, I enjoyed all the positions, but I guess I thing I enjoyed in the university is being interacting with the students and being around student activities and of course that goes out on the campus or otherwise and so I, uh, I'd have to say that of my, my career in education that I really enjoyed working with students and, uh, and the other administrators. You didn't grow up in Nebraska. Talk about how uh, somebody from Kentucky ends up in Nebraska. Well uh, I guess I'd have to say in that regard that uh, after I got out of the military in 1958, there were two positions available that uh, were uh, in the area which I uh, was trained in, in forage and range management. And uh, one was at the University of Arizona in Tucson, and the other was at uh, Burns, Oregon, which was an ARS USDA facility. And uh, I enjoyed working so much with students that I decided to go to the University of Arizona where it was student engaged and the other was strictly research and extension. And so as a result, uh, then I, after spending 18 years at Arizona, I came to Nebraska and I've been here for 41 years. And so I've been engaged in education in one place or another for many years and I've enjoyed it all. What makes a man like yourself, who, who spent time as vice chancellor, chancellor, and president of the university, still get up every day and come to the office? Even uh, I was talking to Dean Waller. He said you still come into the office. What What is it for you that makes you want to continue this work? 
Well, Bryce, I think it's because I feel like I'm making a contribution yet to maybe to young people in their career and so forth and uh, cleaning up some things that accumulated in my office over the past 40 years and getting those put away to go to the archives. And so as a result, uh, I, I think part of it had to do with the work ethic that I developed uh, from a kid on. I grew up on a small farm. And if you know that, why the kids always have their responsibility there and uh, getting developing that work ethic, I think it's something that you feel that you want to continue to contribute if you can. Talk about the place we're standing in right now, the uh, officially named today, uh, the Massingale Residence Center. Have you had a chance to walk through here? I have uh, walked through it. It's an amazing building, and I think it's one that uh, a student would be proud to live in. And it's not the typical residence hall or if you will, dormitory that you find on many college campuses. And it, uh, it's not yet quite a Waldorf Astoria, but it is a nice building and one that I think, as I said in my comments, that students can really associate with as second home for them. It's a home away from home, if you will. This building will be here for decades to come. What's your hope for students that call this their, their home away from home? What's your hope for those students? Well, my hope would be that this uh, center or building would have some impact on their career and development, uh, both personally and professionally, so that when they leave this institution that they're well prepared for taking employment. And uh, as a result, I think that uh, if we can see that this uh, center has some impact and a positive impact and a significant impact, I think we'll be very uh, pleased with having our name associated with it. Anything else you want to add? Well, I'd say that uh, we've enjoyed our 41 years in Nebraska. Hope we have several more years. And uh, I think you won't find better people anywhere in the world than in Nebraska because I've traveled much of the world, and uh, it's always nice to come back home to Nebraska. And as for the physical building, Sue Gildersleeve, director of UNL Housing, says it was meant to accommodate the 21st century student. Because they want the experience of living next door to friends and having more of the living space outside of their own rooms. So that's why the Massengale Residential Center is built to accommodate over 200 freshman students and sophomores who want to live in more community living, participate in learning communities, and so we've designed it that way. But we also know students become um, upper division students. They like to have more privacy, so we give them their own bedroom, we give them a kitchen, living room, and so that they've got the space to themselves, can do their own cooking. Um, we're just delighted. We think it's a lovely space that um, really is open and airy. It's in the heart of East Campus, and we're just very grateful that the Massengales um, generously allowed us to use their name and to let them help us express the story of service to students through the generations. You can see more of the building, both on the inside and out, with pictures and video by going to unl.edu. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit. In Livestock Futures Trading, let's get an assessment here as to what happened today. Joe Teal joins us from Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, it's kind of a quiet day in the uh, live cattle today. Uh, we're going to finish mixed uh, there, uh, yeah, just back and forth all day, waiting to uh, hear some uh, news. And uh, we, we didn't really hear of any. Uh, uh, trade was uh, at 111 yesterday and 175, uh, which got us uh, a little bit of uh, op uh, optimism, but uh, uh, I've heard of no uh, big trade taking place so far. Cutouts were higher at noon also, which helped uh, keep uh, some of the uh, uh, 
trade higher, but uh, we, we did finish mixed. Now, the uh, feeders did fare a little bit better. They did close marginally higher, uh, uh, even despite the fact that the uh, grains are putting on a pretty good rally. But uh, uh, finishing, uh, that, that gives them a higher finish for the week as well as the cattle. Over in the hogs, uh, it was the expiration date for the October contract. The uh, That went off at uh, 60-40. The rest of the... Uh, trade in the hogs was ended up a little bit higher cash uh, steady about steady cutouts higher at noon so gave a positive uh, response and uh, we ended up with a pretty fair week uh, out of the hogs also you can reach joe teal at uh, great plains commodities at 800-328-0134 total cattle slaughter through saturday now estimated at 622,000 10,000 less than last week Hog slaughter 2,516,000, less than last week. From no rain to too much rain. That seems to be the pattern for one of our Fridays in the field producers. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dave Warner farms just outside of Albion, Nebraska, and this growing season, Mother Nature is throwing a variety of issues at him. From lack of rain to too much rain, to tornadoes and now puddles in the field as they try to harvest. Yeah, Susan, I tell you, we, uh, we went from dry to, you know, a little over six inches of rain in two and a half weeks. And, you know, of course, it has to come right at harvest time starting. But, uh, you know, I guess we can never complain about moisture. We'll take it when we get it. But, you know, right now, these beans need to come out. And it's, you know, we're having a problem right now with maybe some popping of these beans a little bit because, you know, it's um, it rains one day, sunny the next, it rains again. I mean, it's the inconsistency of this weather is just is a struggle right now. So we got some early beans that are trying to pop, you know, out here in the field, and some of these late beans that were green, you know, they, they went ahead and matured, thank goodness, and they got a nice frost on them the night before last. So, you know, they should, everything should be even up and combine pretty good right now. As you look at the... Over at the crops, I know that um, when we first started talking to you back in June, those soybeans were really seeing some struggles. I mean, obviously, you didn't get the numbers on yield-wise you wanted, but are you going to be able to salvage something out of those fields? Yeah, you know, we, some of those bean fields we talked about early, you know, with the white stands and stuff, we're, we're showing it. I mean, there, there's some of those in the 50s right now. Some dryland beans we've been in are in the 30s, uh, mid-40s, so... You know, but on the other side too, we've had some we've had some good beans. We've been in some uh, really good irrigated beans that are over eighty. But most of all, our you know our average right now is probably going to be in the high sixties or seventies, and that's way down from where we were last year. There are some serious issues going on with corn for producers in your area, including some of the fields you're looking at because of all the rain. Yeah, I, I tell you, this is something we really need to address. You know, we've been talking a lot on Twitter with some of my Nebraska guys about uh, where we're at uh, with this sprout in the year. You know, all this rain has really brought on a huge concern of how we're going to handle some of this corn at harvest. You know, a lot of this corn was late and the, the bad August that we had, that we just really did not get a lot of heat units to get this corn to finish. And so now we've got a lot of ears that are up taking this five six inch rain and now all of a sudden we've got sprouting and i mean 
not just a little sprouting. Some fields I've looked at maybe 20, 30 percent, and some of the sprouts are one to two inches. I mean, it's a very huge concern right now how we're going to handle this. What are some things, I mean, that you can do? Once they sprout, where do you go from there? Well, you know, when we combine it, if, if uh, we're going to run it through a dryer, that helps a lot. You know, a lot of guys will have to dry this corn because it just won't mature, you know, fast enough for harvest. So we're going to have to be drying this corn. It'll help a lot to run that dryer to burn that stuff off. And so if it, it, that won't bother us going in from the dryer into the bin. You know, if we're going to take this straight right now from the, you know, from the field into a bin, uh, that's that's where we have a concern that, that we might have spoilage in the bin. You know, a lot of these kernels are, are going to rot anyways that are trying to sprout. An interesting growing season for Dave Warner. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And with us... John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. We're going to close out the week on a higher trend, uh, especially uh, soybeans and wheat. Wheat seemed to lead the day uh, today, as well as the outside markets, John. I think a day of squaring is probably the way I would put it. You know, not a lot of news now to drive the prices lower. We kind of got the, I don't say the cats out of the bag as far as yield goes. There's a lot of uncertainty still with corn, especially as it's, you know, sitting at the field across almost, you know, 65% of the country. But uh, for the bean side, that yield break yesterday, I think, gave the uh, the trade a little bit of relief, especially the short side, or the long side, rather, uh, and gave a green light for some funds to put some money to work. Feels like maybe we've got to run back up to that crop insurance level around 1020, 1030. Probably be a seller there, but uh, you know you look at the deferreds uh, on, uh, as far as the March and the July, and they're they're putting on some premium uh, given the South American uh, you know the pressure to grow it. Uh, that should pull corn. Uh, outside of that, there isn't a lot of good news on the corn or wheat side, but uh, we don't need that to cover. We saw it a year ago when the market just kind of bled itself higher uh, during this time frame, and I, I think we're set to do that again this year. And we still have a chance for that December contract to pop above three sixty, and that would be. I guess uh, a little more um, positive. Yeah, I think I think so. If you are hedging and you've got contracts on that are hedged, my advice would be to get out of the December contract of the seventeen. Get yourself into the deferreds. That's where the the value is right now. The carry is forty five cents wide. So even if you're hedging and you don't want to come out of those hedges because you haven't sold yet, I would dictate and move those hedges back into the twenty eighteen contract. Just because the market's going to fall, I think. It's probably falling from those levels, given we're a lot higher. And if we're going to rally, the front month's probably going to take over. We saw today uh, a little bit of that on the corn side. Uh, it's happened a lot in beans, where the front months, in November being the front month for beans, December being the front month for corn, leading the market higher. That's what we want to see from the fundamental side on a rally. We are way too spread out right now. Uh, for my liking, uh, it just simply is, is difficult to do anything uh, as far as the buy side goes because you don't have any real incentive for the market to go up. On the back end, it doesn't do you any incentive to reown anything because the, the trade's so spread out on the carry side. So uh, we're seeing it in beans, starting to see some life in those spreads. Corn, beginning. Uh, I'd say we got above, we were down around 47 cents December to December yesterday. We closed at 45 and a half. I think we'll probably end up somewhere closer to 40, maybe even 35 by the time these goes off the board. Thanks, John. And, of course, we had uh, pretty good movement in wheat. Hard red winter wheat futures were $0.10 cents higher today Kansas City. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com for more information. Dewey Nelson reporting.